Hey Pod people. I'm Benjamin Alaco, and you're listening to Last Year's Horror. Question. What scares you in this world? I don't mean masked killers, ghosts, or demonic entities prowling in the dark. So let me ask this another way. What scares you about the world we live in? We've all had our share of scares in the last few years. Some people have known real heartbreak, lost loved ones to a disease that others refuse to believe in. I have people near and dear to me who roll their eyes at the mention of social distancing or wearing a mask. This little thing we know as the internet has no small part in spreading misinformation, better known as lies. And what is scarier than a society that loses its grasp on objective truth? A populace that can't tell the difference between a lie and a cold hard fact. What happens when this disease of lies creates a vast, ever-widening cult, and the influence of that cult gets strengthened by a narcissistic leader incapable of admitting his own defeat in a fair and free election? And then that cult goes on to swallow and destroy lives and finally attempts to overthrow Western society's most powerful government. How do we make sense of all this abject craziness? These might not be the types of questions we normally ask on last year's horror, but they're baked into the world around us, and even the media we consume. And as much as I'd love to just lecture on the abject craziness of the world of QAnon, this wouldn't be last year's horror without taking a more unique perspective. So when I contacted this episode's guest to see how we could discuss this topic in a creative way, I was thrilled when she suggested to point the crazy lens at a classic movie that we haven't yet discussed, 1986's Jim Henson-directed cult classic dark fantasy, Labyrinth. Now, Labyrinth may not be a horror movie in the traditional sense, but I'd say it's horror-adjacent at least, and if you saw it as a kid, it just might have been the first movie that got you hooked on what goes bump in the night. By examining this movie from a QAnon red-pilling perspective, we're going to dive into the skewed mind of a QAnon true believer and talk plenty about David Bowie's uncomfortably prominent man-bulge for a children's movie. That's a win-win in my book. This episode's guest is Stephanie Kemmerer. You'll know her as a writer on Even the Podcast is Afraid, the flagship show of Orta Studios Podcast Network. She also has several articles out in the Skeptical Inquirer and presented on QAnon Conspiracies in an interactive online conference for the Skeptical Inquirer. She is a true crime buff, a vocal debunker of conspiracy theories, and a former 9-11 truther who used to be deep in the rabbit hole but has since reformed. I find it fascinating to hear her perspective and I think we can all learn a lot from her. One last note before we start, as I was editing this podcast, I did notice that there were some issues with Stephanie's audio from time to time, so I did what I could to eliminate those, but you may occasionally hear some interference and a little bit of noise, so I apologize. I did do my best to clean it up. I hope you still enjoy the conversation, and I didn't want to lose any of what we talked about. So without further delay, Stephanie, welcome to Last Year's Horror. Great to be here. Tell us a little bit about your background, how you came to know so much about QAnon, and why you're so interested and invested in debunking conspiracy theories. Well, um, I, I had heard a another podcast talking about uh, QAnon before the election, and it was very concerning. So I contacted Jared, and I was like, I don't really know anything about this, but let's do like a two-part series. Mm -hmm. And I actually got to interview some pretty big names for it. Mick West, uh, Michael Medved, and um, Michael Isikoff, the host of Skullduggery. That's the podcast I first heard about QAnon in detail on, you know. Right. And um, after we wrote, after I wrote the two-part series, I continued to listen to the QAnon Anonymous podcast obsessively. And I had all this knowledge in my head. So then I said to Skeptical Inquirer, hey, I wrote an article for you guys in 2014. I have all this crap about QAnon in my head. Do you want another article? Mm -hmm. And it's just kept kind of going from there. And um, all, like the core group of my Twitter friends, they're all debunkers. Mm -hmm. And it's it just kind of, it, it was just from listening to one podcast episode back in like September and it just led me to this crazy like 
storage of knowledge in my head. Yeah. And so just so people are aware, because we have, I think we have some listeners who may not listen to uh, even the podcast is afraid. So when you kind of mentioned that you talked to Jared, that's Jared from even the podcast is afraid. And and so, so your, your first kind of, I guess, dipping your toes into the QAnon stuff was really just like writing for even the podcast is afraid. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. So we can blame Jared for, <laughs> for, uh, or blame you Michael going Isikoff. down this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, I also have to ask, so our listeners probably aren't going to know the name Mick West, but I know the name Mick West because I, I follow the UFO topic or the UAP topic pretty closely. And he's like a rabid debunker of video footage and stuff. So are you like friends with Mick West? No, um, I just decided for <laughs> the podcast episode, let's yeah. see who I can get to talk to me. And I looked up Mick West and his phone number is right on his website. Oh, wow. That's that's cool. I mean, he's a guy who puts himself out there for sure, you know, um, which which I appreciate about him. I don't I, I, I appreciate what he does, too, but I don't uh, always love his methods, but I'm not really part of that world. I just uh, yeah, I know that name and, and um, you know, I've seen him really debunking almost to a to a to a point where his logic I have trouble following sometimes too. So it's interesting. I mean, one of the things that I think we'll get into here is like this whole argument about, about who has the truth, you know, is just a big part of this whole, any, anytime you're talking about conspiracies, right? It's like the nature of a conspiracy is that the truth is hidden from you. So you're, you're trying to find it and then someone tries to convince you that you're wrong. And it, it's almost like you're speaking two different languages, right? Right, right. Well, and, and I always differentiate between a conspiracy and a conspiracy theory. Right. A conspiracy is COINTELPRO when the FBI under Hoover was doing illegal surveillance of civil rights leaders. Mm, mm -hmm. That was a legitimate conspiracy. A conspiracy theory would be the nanothermite demolition of World Trade Center. Right. You also kind of have a background in, I guess, conspiracy theories that goes beyond QAnon. Um, so do you want to talk a little bit about your personal background in that uh, in that mode? Sure. I'm not I'm not ashamed of it. Um, I mean, I'm not proud of it, but um, I, I was I got into 9-11 trutherism. And um, at one point I was even a no planer where I actually thought that all the planes were put in afterwards oh, mm -hmm. via CGI. I was starting to believe Sandy Hook was fake and that mm -hmm. all mass shootings were fake, all current ones. And I was starting to kind of go down the Columbine rabbit hole a little bit too. Right. But I, I had a friend uh, who knew someone who lost a kid at, Sandy Hook and this friend told me oh, that. Wow. Wow. And that was like a light switch going off in my head. Yeah. I mean, so, it didn't happen that quick. It took a little research for me, you know, debunking videos for me to get yeah. out. But yeah. Yeah. Well, I just, I mean, I think it's great that, that you're willing to talk about that because it's, it's a perspective that you just really don't hear from people. And, and maybe it is, maybe it is an element of, of shame or something, you know, where people who, who fall out of that don't really want to be open about it. But I really appreciate you being open about it and talking about it. Cause I feel like there's so much for people to learn about, you know, how do, how does someone fall into that? And then how does someone fall out of it? And it's, it's something that I think we as a society, like we don't like to think about. And, and when someone is, kind of down the rabbit hole it's almost like people want to write them off right yeah yeah a lot of but i actually when i was doing the skeptical inquirer magazine about QAnon, i interviewed jatarth chadeja and he's basically become like the most famous former QAnon guy mm -hmm. we became friends through that interview and 
maybe like two or three months ago, he was on Anderson Cooper under the headline, I'm sorry for thinking you ate babies. So I, I kind of look to him wow. as, as my inspiration, because I mean, that takes a lot of courage to yeah. like say to Anderson Cooper's face on CNN, I used to think you ate babies. Yeah. Sorry about that, mate. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Yeah. I mean, it, it's interesting because, you know, in a lot of ways, uh, and, and I don't think our listeners, I don't think my friends even really know this about me, but like. I, I I never went that far into the rabbit hole or anything like that. But when I was like 14 or 15, um, I was really deep into conspiracy theories. You know, I was in high school and probably clinically depressed. I don't know. I was never diagnosed, but, yep. you know, it was a rough period. You didn't even need to say that. Yeah. I, I already knew mm -hmm. that that goes hand in hand with conspiracy theories. That's <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, that's one of the things I was going to ask you is like, how how do you feel like that that people fall into that? And, and it sounds like from your perspective, maybe that's a common thing that we see is like, you know, a mood disorder, depression, something along those lines. Yeah. Yeah. It, it really is. And Jatarth even said he was miserable all the time when he was in the QAnon. Yeah. And, um, I talked to, I interviewed a girl, um, from England who she's still in therapy recovering from QAnon. And, um, she, she said that she's always been prone to anxiety mm -hmm. and she's getting better now that she's out of QAnon, but you see this pattern. I mean, I'm, it's just anecdotal for now because sure. you, me, Jatarth and Layla, that's only four people, but it seems to be a pattern that kind of repeats itself yeah. with the depression, but I'm, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but no, we, no. you were, you had the depression in high school and that's when you were getting into this stuff. Oh yeah. 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 Um, so, I mean, like I said, I didn't, I didn't go too far, but it was probably like a year or two where, uh, it was before Reddit and, and all these big social media, like social media wasn't a thing. This was the age of, of instant messenger and that sort of thing, you know? So, um, I was really more on, on some message boards, it was mostly harmless stuff, right? So I didn't go super deep. Um, I was more into, I, I was always into the UFO topic, you know, having been a big fan of X-Files and all of that. It was, so I was like skimming the surface of some of it. And, and, but there, you do kind of develop this idea that maybe the govern the government is just this great big sinister organization that, you know, we're just all parts of, you know, this, these cogs and this much more, you know, this terrifying machine that doesn't care about us and actively is against us and all that sort of thing. And, and, you know, that when I was kind of at the surface of it was pretty innocuous. It wasn't, I, I think when I, when I look at QAnon and some of these platforms today where these people are, are congregating it seems so much more radical, like the, the just fervor, you know, and, and just look at what happened in, you know, on, on January 6th, you know, it really boiled over into the real world. And so it's like, I just keep thinking, what if I had kept down that path and, and not pulled myself out of it, you know, back, back then, you know, if I had just kept going deeper and being like, you know, man, I feel like, these people listen to me because I, you know, I did have some online friends who were like in these message boards. And so that was part of the reason I kept going back. I was like, even as like a 14 year old, I'm coming up with these theories about <laughs> whatever the government is yeah. up to and all this stuff. And people are like, oh, wow, man, that's pretty interesting. That's pretty cool. You know? Yeah. It's, it, yeah, it's, it's fun. Yeah. It's fun. It is. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. So I, I never really went down this this rabbit hole of we got to overthrow the whole thing and let's go storm the Capitol building. You know, <laughs> that's a whole other beast, you know? Yeah, no, that that um, that I was shocked, but not surprised mm -hmm. when that happened. Yeah. Just thinking four years of, of having someone kind of fanning the flames in power, you know, and, and actively encouraging this sort of thing and then that piece of it is like, well, this was, this was always going to happen, you know? Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a pattern. And the, the unfortunate aspect of it all is that 
I, I compare it to breaking a vase. It takes a second to shatter a priceless vase into a hundred pieces. It could take hours, days, weeks mm. to glue it all back together. And right. that's what, just because Trump's office, just, you know, because of all, all these things, people are like, oh, Joe Biden's in office, everything's going to be okay. It right. doesn't work like that. It, there, yeah. There's, it, it could be decades. It yeah. could be decades. Yeah. And that's unfortunate. Yeah. That to me really is like the horror. <laughs> you know, this is this is called yeah. last year's horror. And I'm like, yeah, we had we had a lot of horror in recent years in real life. So. All right. So let's let's look at uh, um, QAnon and then we'll transition to kind of how these themes and how their theories could could be potentially present in a movie like labyrinth so but but before we do could you give us i know there's a lot but could you give us maybe like a the cliff notes version of of qanon conspiracy could you give us like the what are the surface level foundations of qanon um it's it's basically a retelling of the medieval blood libel myth which is basically <clears throat> in the medieval ages the christians said that the jewish people were kidnapping Jewish children to drink their blood. Mm -hmm. And over the years, that has evolved with... It It, it never went away. Mm -hmm. It's just changed with the, the paradigm of our society and culture and our technology. So now, it's rich Hollywood pedivores are eating and molesting children to produce adrenochrome, and then they harvest this adrenochrome which keeps them young which if you're a rich elite person it seems like it'd be a little bit easier to just get plastic surgery why adrenochrome what why is that the thing that that they zeroed in on as like the drug that they're taking from babies or whatever there's been a lot of different references to adrenochrome in pop culture throughout the decades but that jerk, David Icke, was the one that really latched on to the whole adrenochrome thing. And this was at least a decade before QAnon. Wow. Yeah. And so whoever started posting as Q, I mean, let's not be mistaken. Q is a horrible thing. But whoever right. Q is, they're pretty darn smart. Right. They're, they really, I mean, if you read some of the Q drops... And you kind of go through some of these things, you get a little scared because you're like, oh, my God, that's right. Oh, my God, that's right. And, you know, the person knows what they're talking about. So this, right. this person, well, we'll just call him Ron Watkins because we all know <laughs> that's pretty much who it is. Hmm. Um, because he gave himself away at the end of the HBO series. Oh, um, really? But um, oh, he... We we don't conclude. Oh, he's he's the eight, sorry. No. He's the eight chan. He's the found yeah administrator founder of eight chan something. Um, they they bought it from Fred Brennan, mm -hmm. and then um, Fred Brennan had a falling out with them and yeah. had to flee the Philippines. Yeah, yeah. And Fred's such a sweet guy. Yeah, Ron and, Watkins um, not I, so much. Any anyone anyone who pit who would like do that to like a very tiny man who has a rare bone disorder mm -hmm. and is in a wheelchair. Anyone who would just, how could you be mean to somebody like that? <laughs> right. Right. Well, I mean, if you go on eight Chan or four Chan or whatever, yeah, it's yeah. pretty nasty. So <laughs> again, not particularly surprising. No, but. no. And I actually, when, when QAnon first started on 4chan, then went to 8chan, which is now 8kun. And um, the same time when the Q drops were being posted, people were also posting pictures of child pornography. Wow. So the same website that's hosting this Save the Children uh -huh. conspiracy theory is also hosting child porn. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, there's no lack of irony in any of this. No, there isn't. And and even we saw that on January 6th, the woman who was trampled to death was carrying a don't tread on me flag. Oh, my God. And the cop that was killed was 
kind of into QAnon, Brian Sicknick, and he was killed by QAnon people who were carrying Blue Lives Matter flags. Right. And somebody literally shit posted inside the Capitol. They wrote on the walls with their own feces. They, I mean, wow. it's so hyperbolic. Like, I, I, you couldn't even make this up. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. <sighs> yeah. That's bonkers. Mm-hmm. Before we really dive into Labyrinth, we're going to be looking at this from the perspective of uh, a QAnon theorist conspiracy theorist right so yeah and and part of this kind of speaks to this whole notion of red pilling and that there are these movies that that you can look at from this perspective so can you kind of give us a little bit of a background on like what is red pilling in general and like what does this have to do with with media or movies and and that sort of thing well, the red pilling is the reference to the matrix where mm -hmm. Neo's given the choice and he takes the red pill, which wakes him up. So you and I would be blue pilled sheeple, just, you know, normies. Well, yes, of course. <laughs> and, um, and, and then there's black pilling, which is incels. So there's black pilling and oh, wow. red pilling. Um, but, uh, you know, if, if you take that red pill, then they claim that you're waking up, but I kind of think you are, you may think you're awake, but I think you're more asleep than ever. Right. Yeah. Well, and I just watched your, um, your skeptical inquirer presentation as well. And there's, there's, you have some, uh, it's a great presentation. I'm going to link it in Thank the podcast you. notes, but you say at one point conspiracies conspiracy theories are there to distract us from the real world right like so to your point it's like that's the whole irony right is you think that you're waking up but you're really you're really disconnecting from the world of facts and yeah and and i also kind of even though i'm not a conspiracist anymore i think a lot of conspiracy theorists for as wacky as their ideas are, I think they lack imagination. Mm -hmm. If there is a conspiracy, it's always going to be one step deeper than what you yeah, think. Right. So what if there really is a conspiracy, and this is just speculation, what right. if there really is a conspiracy by the government to distract us and they are disseminating into the public sphere 9-11 demolition theories right and pedophile the you know i'm not saying that that's true right but you know if you really are a conspiracy theorist then you should be thinking that extra step right and thinking what you know and, and i'm not saying that the government is actually doing that yeah uh, you know even if these conspiracy theories pop up completely independent of anything else they're still distracting you. Right. And, and the people who are in a QAnon are yelling, save the children, save the children, this and that, this and that. Well, and they call themselves digital soldiers. Well, how many of them have a web sleuth account? Right. How, how many of them have a NamUs account, the North American missing and unidentified? Because mm -hmm. I've done that. Every once in a while, you go on NamUs and you go on and then you look at missing persons and you see if you can find a match. Right. You know, if you really are wanting to save children, if you're really wanting to solve crimes or stop crimes without actually being a cop, there are other useful things that you can be doing. Yeah. Other than just sitting there and tweeting at people. Yeah. And uh, accusing people of, of things that make no sense. Like stealing yeah, and, and <laughs> just from I used to I, I mean I've for a long time I've wanted to be a funeral director it's not going to happen but I've learned some things about body disposal from true crime and from the stuff that I studied about funeral services mm -hmm. the numbers that they're saying of people that go missing do not match up with Nick Mick and Nick Mick, I believe, was is run by John Walsh, and anyone who says a disparaging word about John Walsh, <laughs> we're going to have words. Um, but Nick Mick, it, their numbers don't match. What is, what is Nick Mick? 
um, the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. Okay. And the, the QAnon numbers don't match with NICMIC or NamUs mm-hmm. or um, the Murder Accountability Project. Right. And, I mean, think back to Jeffrey Dahmer's arrest. Mm-hmm. It's really hard to dispose of bodies. Yeah. Even, even cremation. Right. It's, it's difficult. Yeah. So these, these bodies, you know, so, you know, everything happens underground. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Which, which is going to lead us back to labyrinth. So, um, that's a perfect transition. (laughs) Yes. So I guess, uh, before we dive in, like the, we're, we're also not saying that, Labyrinth is a red pill movie that, that this is somehow connected to QAnon, but it's more about, to me, this, this little exercise, cause this was interesting. Like I, I, I have a very surface level understanding of QAnon at this point, but I was watching, I just watched this movie for the first time ever, uh, like two days ago. But the little that I know about QAnon, I was watching this and I was like, oh, yeah, like I I could see this if I, <laughs> yep, if yep. I was, <laughs> you know, if I was someone in that world or, or down the rabbit hole, I'd be like, well, what if this movie's trying to tell me something? Right. Like, yeah, like a sign, you know, this is they've known about this or something. So so let's let's dive in. And, and Stephanie, like. We, when we had talked, you know, we were, we were thinking about like, how can we talk about QAnon through the lens of media or, or horror or dark fantasy? And so, um, this was obviously like one of the first choices, right? So, so talk to me a little bit about what are the connections that you see here between, you know, the QAnon mythology and what's going on in Labyrinth? Well, first of all, let's talk about David Bowie's cod piece. Yes. Oh boy. Oh boy. It needs its own credit. It needs it, you know, starring David Bowie and his cod piece. Yes. Um, and the, the opening song is called underground. Yeah. And one part of the song, he says too much protection, no love injection. Right. Even when I was a little kid watching this movie, I'm like, Ew, yeah. what does that mean? <laughs> yeah. And, um, you know, he's singing about in the underground and things are perfect in the underground and mm-hmm. come to the underground. It's serene there. Yeah. And it, it, and he says it's only forever, not long at all. Right. And, you know, right, right. I mean, the movies has only just movie hasn't even started it's just mm-hmm. the opening song and already it's like QAnon central right <laughs> and it's just I, I was like scrawling furiously as i was watching it i'm like oh my god this is insane yeah <laughs> and and then we have the opening scene with her larping like the live action role playing where she's dressed up right and that's you know everyone calls QAnon a larp Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, and 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 if you've seen a lot of the pictures of people at the Capitol riot, oh yeah, they were all dressed in costumes. Right. I, I mean, there were more people wearing capes that day than at a comic book convention. Yeah, the guy. Oh, what the hell? You know his name. The the guy who was like in the big bear costume or whatever. The Q shaman. Yes, the shaman. Yeah. Oh, brother. Yeah, that yeah, guy. Yeah, he dresses like that everywhere. Yeah, that guy. Like that, that's the thing that pisses me off about the whole thing is like that, you know, someone like that is, is wearing that whole costume so that he'll be on the cover of magazines and whatnot. And so what, what do we do? But we put him on the cover of magazines and make him, you know, the poster child. But, but I think there were some developments, you know, once he was actually arrested and everything, right? Like didn't didn't he end up kind of rolling over and saying like I'll testify against Trump? Was that him? Yeah, but I think he went back on that again. Oh brother, yeah, what a douche. I'm, I'm not I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah, it wouldn't surprise me. I mean, someone like that, he's just a weasel, you know. Just these these uh, he just seems like such a. His mom is pilled too. Oh man, yeah, but but yeah, that's that's so funny. I didn't even see. Yeah, that shows what I know. I didn't even think about that, but you're right. I mean, and then we've got, you know, our main character here who's potentially being linked to QAnon. You know, she's the hero. And and 
she's she has that like Cinderella complex where mm-hmm. she hates her stepmom and yep. she hates her half brother, and she calls for the goblins to come and take him away during a storm. Oh yeah, because so for people who don't know, the storm is like a key term in in QAnon world, right? Right, and and no one is quite set. I, it, it came from something Trump said at a press conference, mm. but no one knows what the storm is or when it's coming or what it will be. Right. No one, it, it, it's just fun for them to have, a, I mean, you could call it gerbledy gook and <laughs> yeah. it would be the same thing because they don't know what it means it's so it's basically like whatever they want it to be right right well, right it, it seems like that's like that's like the case with a lot of the a lot of the quote-unquote like mythology of QAnon, where it's like there's this thing and that thing is whatever you want it to be and so like you fit the world into this narrative like however you can and however you want which just like just feels lazy to me it doesn't even feel like it's a well thought out conspiracy theory. It's just. Yeah. Like nine 11, like I have more respect for that because it, yeah, there were, there are different theories that float around. There's no planers. There's the, you know, the sound weapon people, but they all kind of have a, like their, their lack of logic still has like a logical chain to it. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And with QAnon, it's like 10 days of darkness are coming. Oh, we missed it. And I'll <laughs> oh, smooth the goalposts. Yeah. And yeah. They, they keep doing that. They mm-hmm. keep, and they, they're always, they're always, oh, indictments are coming. You know? Yeah. And it just, oh, it's just like, you know what? Just, <laughs> I know it's difficult to admit you're wrong. Well, yeah. for me, it isn't, but. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess I'm the rarity, but <laughs> doubling down, and I, I mean, I, I've doubled down when I was in conspiracies. And sure. It, uh, there is a lot of goalposts moving, and, and that can be exhausting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it's, that's the weird thing to me, and the, and the really frightening thing to me about QAnon in general, and, and just a lot of the conspiracy theory stuff that's out there in the world right now, is that, like, there like you said, the goalposts just seem to move. It's, it's almost more like it takes on this religious connotation where it's like, this is your worldview and, and you cling to it regardless. Like it's a matter of, of faith. You know, I, I, I don't want to offend anybody, but if I do, oh, well, um, it's my show, you know, (laughs) But, but like, so I grew up Catholic and, um, it's funny. We were just talking about this last episode, actually. Um, but I grew up Catholic and I, I, the best term I would use today to describe myself would be an atheist. And even that's not exactly perfect, but that's probably the the closest I would, I would, you know, the best I could do. But so to me, like I look at friends and family and, and people who are still, you know, it's normal to be religious, right? Like that's not like an alarming thing, but like for me to be outside of that world, I look at even the logic of religion after, you know, 18 plus years of being religious and then kind of going like, huh? Yeah, (laughs) no, like I don't, this, none of this makes any sense to me. And again, I'm sorry if that's offensive to people, but that's, that's my world, you know? And, and it's kind of like, that you know like i'm i'm looking at something like q and and i'm going like this makes zero sense and but they've it feels to me like a lot of people who are in that world have kind of latched onto it the same way that you know catholic a catholic person would would cling to the notion of faith which is like their armor against any sort of argument you know it's like well none of that makes sense well faith you know and and yeah. so <laughs> it's like how do you how do you possibly argue with that? No, and and it's difficult. It's difficult too. And there there's also seems to be a correlation between a predilection for religion and the predilection for conspiracy theories. Right. I was like the weirdo because I was an atheist who believed in conspiracy theories. Interesting. So that that was a kind of and conspiracy theories offer comfort right because 
you know, as terrible as it is, and, and let's just pretend, let's all put on our pretend caps for a second. Let's say the government was behind 9-11. Right. In a way, isn't that a little bit more comfortable than to think that 19 hijackers did it? Right. Yeah, that, like, like someone, that someone's in control. Under control. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yep. and that's that's what that 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 and and that all ties into depression too, because people yeah. who have that external locus of control tend to be more depressed. And once you internalize your control, the depression goes away. The need for conspiracies goes away. Right. And you and and the correlation with religion also too, because. If you get rid of all religious ideology and you look at what Stephen Hawking, Neil deGrasse Tyson, Einstein, Newton have all said, the universe is chaos. Mm -hmm. The fact that you are alive and the fact that I'm alive is one in infinity to the power of infinity Mm -hmm. because it was the right egg, the right sperm at the right nanosecond. Mm-hmm. I mean, chaos. Right. There, there literally is no meaning to the life. Mm-hmm. There is no order, entropy. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of like if you look up at the night sky and you think about forever, that's scary. That's really scary. And conspiracy theories and religion offer the comfort that Oh, you see those stars up there, but somewhere hidden is heaven. Mm-hmm. And if you're good, when you die there, you're going to go there. Well, how long will I be there? Oh, forever. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, that's just as scary. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, yeah, it, it's, it, it feels nice to think that everything's in control under control. Yeah. But if yeah. you look at all the times the government's been caught, MK Ultra, COINTELPRO, mm-hmm. Snowden. I mean, they just, I, I mean, it's not exactly like Keystone Cops or something like that, but, you know, have you ever tried to get through to, you know, uh, you know, your senator? Right. Or just the office or to get through to your local district attorney? Oh, well, no, it's, it's this number or, oh, mm-hmm. no, you got to talk to this person. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, and that's another thing that ties in is that it's, you don't tend to see people in high positions of power, like, you know, like an executive or something like that, who are conspiracy theorists or try and find a project manager (laughs) who's into conspiracy theories. You're not going to find one because anyone, and just, just when I've run my zoom club, I mean, it's a shit show. <laughs> yeah. It really is like, yep. Chris, are you going to be here? Oh, oh we're so-and-so. Yep. And it, it, yeah. yeah. Anytime <laughs> you try to do something with more than one person, which yeah. is what a conspiracy is defined as, yep. uh, things fall apart. The center cannot hold. Mere anarchy is loosed yes. upon the earth. Yeah. And that's from William Butler Yates. Right. I, I've, I've had that exact conversation with people. Uh, who are kind of in that belief system, not QAnon, but, you know, conspiracy theorists where it's like, they know, you know, it's that mindset of like, they know they're, they're the ones controlling it. They have it all planned out, you know, Bilderberg and all that stuff. Right. And I'm like, maybe some meetings are happening with some high level people or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's happening, you know, of course. But if you really think that there's like, a small group of people who really could plan out and control the whole world in the ways that some people think it's just like, as you said, you've never had any involvement with government because, uh, (laughs) you see immediately it's, I, I love the, I love the idea. I've heard this from time to time, but I mean, the DMV is the government, you know, like you want to see how the government really works. Just go to the DMV. And if you think that the DMV could run a vast conspiracy that would control the world, then I I don't know what to tell you, but I'm going to bring it back to labyrinth for a second here. Cause like Mm -hmm. there there were a couple other things that jumped out at me and I, I want your thoughts on. So one of the things that I picked up on too was the oubliette that 
is yeah so and i i had to look this up because i was like oubliette like what is that right so i mean it's basically a torture chamber right like this is like a medieval (laughs) dungeon and i was like oh boy okay (laughs) there's a lot here yeah yeah and and it's a place they put so that you're forgotten i think he says to her or something but it's also really easy for her to get out yeah that's true (laughs) i didn't think about that part yeah Yeah. and the whole the whole like hallucination the ball the masquerade ball where he's kind of serenading her that masquerade i mean you mentioned you know the man bulge in this movie and so yeah the man having basically the the QAnon pedophilia stuff uh in in my mind and watching some of these scenes with Bowie and that that cod piece and everything I was like uh, this is very uncomfortable for a children's movie in general but then adding that additional layer on I was it was just very uncomfortable and um Carrie, she's not obviously on the show this time, but she was watching that movie as well when I when I had it on, and we just kind of shared a look, and we're basically like, "Oh my god!" Like, this is literally a I don't know how old he was during the making of this, but in his thirties or something, I would guess at least. Yeah. And and he's basically trying to seduce a what I don't know, fifteen, sixteen year old girl. I was like. She's about 16 or 17 because at the beginning, her stepmom says, I assume you'd let us know if you had a date. You'd right. like it if you'd had dates. Yeah. I actually formulated a theory about the labyrinth that actually forgives all of those things. Hmm. And I caught some interesting little tidbits. The whole thing was a fantasy because everything that's in the goblin land yeah. is in her room. Right. It's her toys. Even her dog, Sir Didymus, is riding a dog that looks just like her dog. Right. And the whole seduction thing. Sarah wants to be loved. Right. All of the all of the songs that seem kind of pedo are the whole thing is her imagination. And at the end of the movie, when she has the final showdown with the Goblin King, and he says to her, "You." I, but you cowered before me and I was frightening. I'm exhausted living up to your expectations. Right. And then at the end, when she's back home, she hears Hoggle, should you need us? And she says, yes, every once in a while, I will need you. Mm -hmm. She's left behind her fantasies, but just like every adult, she still wants to indulge. Right. So the whole thing, it, not necessarily a dream, but the whole thing was her fantasy. Yeah. yeah. And that's why the, the whole sexuality thing right. is kind of forgivable because young girls fantasize about older men. Right. That, so it actually hmm. isn't that creepy. <laughs> no. And yeah, I'm glad you said that because so it is making me think about like the double standard here. Right. I mean... Uh, well, part of this, let, let me just also explain too. part of part of my discomfort comes from knowing that like Bowie has famously, you know, like had sex with a 14 year old girl, you know, which, oh my. Uh, yeah, I mean, so she was, I don't remember her name right now. I mean, she's come out and basically said, you know, it was consensual and, and all this. She was a, there, I'm going to butcher this. So forgive me, but like there was a group of young girls who were basically groupies um in the 70s maybe 80s i can't remember the time period now i apologize i think i want to say like late 70s or something and literally okay. like 13 14 year old girls and and um uh iggy pop actually has a song about this um he says he had sex with a 13 year old girl uh I mean, it's well, him and Bowie used to hang around. Uh huh. Yep. So, and and so, you know, me also just knowing that about Bowie made that whole thing that much more uncomfortable and and feeling like okay, statutory rape is a thing here. Um, but 
So, so that's a part of my discomfort level. But if I can, if I can compartmentalize that for a second and just look at this as a movie and forget that Bowie is Bowie and and whatever, right? To your point, there's something to be said about the double standard because if if this was like a 17 year old boy, right, and he had a fantasy about I don't know, like his ideal woman like some whatever some like busty woman or something right i don't think anyone would would bat an eye you know it would be like well yeah this is a this is a male fantasy and whatever and it wouldn't be creepy but i think because the gender roles are reversed and it's a female fantasy it it feels creepy on screen because it's an older man trying to seduce a young woman but if it's her fantasy to your point like that's just part of of her mind right and that's natural and so yeah it does kind of forgive it and makes me think like hmm would i have would i have i i probably i probably would have felt the same way if if it was a, a young boy fantasize fantasizing about a an older woman but still um there's definitely a double standard there so i'm i'm glad you mentioned that yeah i just i and i'd never really you know as, as a kid I, i've watched the movie primarily as a kid yeah and so I had it that it was a magical trip to another land. Yeah. But there, there are these very, very snarky little hints yeah. that I caught that I would not have caught before. Like where he's saying, you cowered before me and I was frightening. Yeah. I'm exhausted living up to your standards. So maybe she really did go to a magical land. Mm -hmm. But everything that happened, she was controlling like a lucid dream. Yeah, I, I love that because I, I caught that line. And like I said, this was the first time I'd watched it. And there's a lot here. And, and in the lyrics, too, there's a lot of really interesting stuff. And I oh, feel it's like it's the I, best soundtrack. Oh. <laughs> it's great. I was so into it. I was like, I, I fully expected and I don't know why, because I've, I've seen like no clips of this, but I fully expected to really dislike this movie. But I was like, from moment one, I was like, this is such a blast. I was like, this is so fun. The, it, it is. And the puppeteering <laughs> is amazing, of course, because it's Jim Henson. So it's great. But like everything is just eye popping and and bowie really is just like this magnetic presence and you know man bulge and all but like yeah and it's so goth it's so i mean they <laughs> yeah. they when i used to go to the electric factory in philadelphia for dracula's ball and goth nights and stuff they they would play dance magic sometimes goth. <laughs> i love it Clubs and stuff. It's, it's labyrinth has just become just this humongous like it's, it's like this goth classic. It's yeah. it's like right up there with like Rocky Horror. Yeah, I, I really feel like I missed out. I I missed out not having seen this as a kid because I would have loved this movie. Like the I've always been into like monsters and just like the 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 goblins everything everything just looks great and and somewhat creepy and and i mentioned you know like horror adjacent basically right and, and it doesn't look old does it no. it doesn't look like it was made in the 80s no it's it does, timeless it doesn't. i mean what there's i'll say there are a few scenes but <laughs> but by yeah. and large it it really does hold up i was i was blown away by this movie yeah so here's my question right so if if i was if i really was like a like deep in the rabbit hole and i was a QAnon conspiracy theorist and i i really believed all this and i and i watched this movie what do you think my takeaway would be like would i do you think i would i would i would think to myself like this movie was created by people who are trying to tell us the truth or yes okay yes um i'm actually going to be doing a side project with a friend of mine um he's on twitter at quacks anonymous um he presented this to me and we're calling it disclosure theory mm -hmm. where people believe that uh, that 
for some reason, the powers that be, some kind of karmic, cosmic law, forces the evildoers to reveal what they're doing through mm. pop culture. That's really fascinating to me because so this is also something I see with like celebrities who um, might honestly be just trying to mess with people. Um, so you, you've probably seen Jim Carrey like in some of his last few years, some of his, his interviews and, and his talk show appearances kind of like poking fun at, it seems like some of these conspiracy theorists, like he's, he's openly yeah, kind of he's joking. He's an anti-vaxxer. Is he? Yeah, because oh. he was with that nut job Jenny McCarthy, oh, the I one did. who has I did been hear responsible about for basically thousands of children dying. Yeah, that's so. Oh, that's so sad. I didn't know if there's he was. A, there's a website mm. called JennyMcCarthyBodyCount.com. Right. <laughs> oh no. Yeah, that's sad. Yeah. Well, so I, I was gonna say, like, he's. I, I saw a video of him on online where he's he's doing the the triangle with his hands, you know, and he's like putting his tongue through, and and then he sits down, and I can't remember who he's talking to, but he says, "Oh yeah, that's our secret symbol, you know. That's that's for us in power, you know. That's our symbol, you know." And I, I wasn't supposed to know, tell anyone that and all that stuff. So that's funny, and and from our perspective, yeah, but. I think they also have to realize how bad the culture is yep. nowadays, and you can't joke. You can't about even joke that. about it, yeah, because they will take it as serious. Yes, and that that was exactly. I had seen this on like a YouTube video that was like Jim Carrey proof that he's a Illuminati or something like that, and so it it ties back to your notion of this disclosure theory, where it's like this belief system that people are people in power are coding movies or they're they're doing these things out in front of people to leave clues or to openly mock you know the the people who really know the truth right Ugh. and and if if they were really that in control and that powerful then and, and I don't believe any of it but mm -hmm. you know yeah if the if if the Q not if the Q universe was the real world, then Hillary, you know, if Donald Trump can get away with the shit he's gotten away with, mm -hmm. then Hillary Clinton could come to my front door with a dead baby, like sucking the blood out of its neck, mm -hmm. and just walk away, and nothing would happen. So right. I don't know why they think that this is, you know, even if this was going on, if they're that powerful. Who could stop them? Right. <laughs> yeah. 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 It doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. It, it's a lot. But, you know. It is. But, you know. But it's fun. If you <laughs> if you is. can get out of the rabbit hole and yeah. have fun with it. Yeah. But my, my I mean, not that Hollywood's going to be listening to me or anything, but my message to Hollywood is be a little more careful. Like right. that new King Kong versus Godzilla. I saw a total of like four minutes of it. Just mm -hmm. walking between my room and the living room. Yeah. Kong is in a matrix like enclosure, kind of like Truman show. There's references to hollow earth. Right. And then there's words on the screen about like underground military bases. Right. And, and this is a brand new movie that yeah. was made after QAnon. No. Right. No, you cannot do that because, you know, it, sex and violence aside, I, that that's not even the issue so much anymore. Mm -hmm. Right. For me, stop poking the bear. Yeah. <laughs> stop it. That's fascinating because so I think I and I'm not a I'm not a big Godzilla person, but I think isn't the hollow earth part of Godzilla lore where it's like all the other monsters from the monster verse kind of yeah, live from that? something like so that. Yeah. It's, it's hard. Like as someone who like, I am a writer, I'm, I'm writing stories and you pull from various places and it's really hard to, it's hard for me even to draw that line of like, well, there might be some crazy person out there who's going to take this a little too seriously, but is it on the artist? It, this is a really philosophical question. Is it on the creator to say like, there's one or two people or, or whatever. And in this case, it's not one or two people to your point. Right. Um, so maybe there is an element there that you just have to be conscious of, but I don't know. It's hard for me to say like, we have to change. 
we have to change our, our storytelling because there's some groups out there that are really irresponsible or will take it the wrong way. I, I know that's that's tough because so much hangs I mean, in the I balance. Wouldn't say, I wouldn't say do that, but I would yeah. say take some of that stuff into account. Yeah, yeah. I'm with Just you. because, and, and, and I'm not, you know, I, I think artists should get to do whatever they want. If yeah. your artwork is a performance art piece where you pee on the American flag, <laughs> I don't really get performance art that much, but just do it. <laughs> yeah, okay, sure. whatever. Yeah. But it, it, it's, you also have to consider the current zeitgeist. Yeah. And it's a very scary zeitgeist. So... I, I, I'm not saying censor yourself as an artist. What I'm saying is kind of maybe try to look at this like a little more gentler. Like yeah. you didn't need King Kong in, you know, a matrix like enclosure. You really didn't. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And I'm not even blaming Matrix. Matrix, to me, stands out as one of my favorite movies. Mm -hmm. And I love it. And But the problem is people see it as some kind of conspiracy. Yeah. And, you know, the euphemism for conspiracies and stuff like that. But what it really is, is a deep philosophical, like, discussion of the nature of reality, which Sartre and Nietzsche mm -hmm. and countless other philosophers were talking about a long time ago. Oh, yeah. But the problem is the conspiracy theorists, you know, instead of decoding the film going, Oh, that's a Nietzsche reference or, you know, yeah. that's a reference to, you know, nihilism and you know, they're trying to decode it in other ways. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So Yeah. 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 Well, so at the end of Labyrinth, you know, she she comes back to her world and she has a party with her monster friends. And I <laughs> I feel like that is the the goal that I want to work towards, which is, you know, everyone's having a good time. And <laughs> I'm like, what an what an uplifting way to end that movie. I it, it, yeah, I don't, and I don't, that, I don't know that it made sense from the plot, but like, if it's a fantasy, it makes perfect sense. And I think you're right. I think I, I I'm 100 percent with your interpretation. I mean, in my fantasy world, the Republicans and the Democrats are both drinking the adrenochrome. Mm -hmm. They're just having fun together. Yeah, everyone's the adrenochrome partying. unites them. <laughs> that's it. That's all. That's all I want. You know, let's let's start a new conspiracy, Stephanie. Let's let's say they're all in on it, and <laughs> it's just a big party. We can get in on it too. Yeah, yeah. All you need, all you need is your microchip. Yeah, yeah, and a couple babies. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. And you know, the corner store right down the street from us has mm -hmm. started selling babies. And oh, perfect. I pick up a six pack. That's great. And you yeah. know, I take some up to Doug, and we just yeah. crack one open and we just have a good time. <laughs> That's great. I've got some in the fridge right now. Actually, I'll go get some. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. <laughs> don't don't let it drop below a certain temperature, or it ruins the blood. And if it gets too warm, it gets all stinky. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you so much for that advice. I'm new to this, so I really appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. Well, so Stephanie, um, as we're kind of coming to our wrap up, I think you've got at least a, a you know a, a couple thing, a couple uh, pokers in the fire. What do you got going on that you want to tell our listeners about? I'm doing the uh, presentation for. Gosh, I always screw up the name. The uh, Arizona Secular Coalition for America, and um, I pitched two new articles for Skeptical Inquirer. Awesome. Um, hopefully, I can get an advanced copy of Mike Rothschild's QAnon book and do a review of that. And um, I might also be doing an article about um, what it's like to have a Telegram account. Oh, now I don't interact with anyone. I have a fake name. It's yeah. guy's name. But uh, I just go on there and I just gasp in horror oh, at sure. the. Uh... <laughs> oh boy! And um, so yeah, I, I have that going on, and I just wrote another article for um, Skeptical Inquirer online for um, the comic book series, The Department of Truth. 
Awesome. Um, it's a comic book series that's all about conspiracies. So I've already written. This will be my third article. Great. And um, if I could just give a shout out to the Go Back 20 Seconds Club. Oh, yeah. Those, for sure. those are my buddies on yeah. Twitter. And we all meet via Zoom. And we usually end up watching uh, downfall videos. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So great. Well, yeah. we're, we're, you're on Twitter, right? Where, how can people find you? Um, I'm Mick paste face. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> yes. It used to be a picture of Ralph Wiggum eating paste. <laughs> oh, uh, my, perfect. My, okay. My, nice. my current, my current name is existential dreadlocks. Okay. Awesome. And I'll, I'll link, uh, all that stuff, um, in the podcast notes as well. So it'll be easy for people to find you and keep up with you. All right. Well, Stephanie, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you so much for having me. So much fun. Yeah, this was this was really great. So so thank you again. Thank you to our listeners. Um, really, really appreciate everyone who's tuned in. If you like what you heard and you aren't yet subscribed, what are you doing? Be sure to hit that button and subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Be sure to check out the other awesome podcasts at Ordis Studios by visiting ordisstudios.com. That's O-R-D-I-S Studios. Dot com And of course, don't forget to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram for news and announcements. All right, that's it. Thanks, everybody. Bye-bye.